is. Right. They usually exactly. end up in the mob. So no, they they do usually end up in the mob. <laughs> so. You know who never ends up in the mob? Who? Hey everybody! Welcome back to Pixlet. <laughs> I hope I hope we never end up in the mob. Hope so. I hope so. <laughs> My name is Kevin. Alongside with me is Phil. Hello. And uh, today we're starting a brand new book. Oh, new book. New genre. New genre. Yeah, we've been on sci-fi and military sci-fi uh, for quite a bit now. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, hard sci-fi, soft sci-fi, flaccid sci-fi, mm. you know. <laughs> it's it's just a little cold outside sci-fi. <laughs> Grower sci-fi, shower sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> exactly. We've been we've been in there for a while, yeah. um, uh, and now we are in good old fashioned sword and sorcery land. Look at this: we got Diablo Legacy of Blood, which is the first of the Diablo novelizations. Mm -hmm. And this um, is another. We're just we just love uh, uh, opening up Pandora's box here. We are we have opened up like sev excuse me several franchises. Yeah, that are books and books long yeah and this is another one so <laughs> this is another one this is going to be this is going to be a, a beefy series i mean we'll probably um we'll see how far we get into the diablo franchise mm -hmm. i mean why not and it's you know what this is a, this is a nice looking book right you got the really nice uh yeah it's it's edition. the new it's like a new printing of it or something oh, like yeah. that yeah yeah and it's cute. it's it's it feels good feels I mean, good in the hands embossed cover and embossed mm, cover i got my it, my beat up two dollars oh, it has been book. beaten the beat the shit out of with that a, one. with a with a a like parking receipt lice uh, page holder like it's just it's a mess but that's this is, this is pure pulp, and therefore, I'm gonna beat the shit out of this Just book. Beat the absolute shit out of it. Yep. Um. So this book is uh written by Richard A. and I'm I'm not sure if it's Knack or Knack. I'm assuming uh, Knack. Uh. But yeah, I guess it could be Knack. Yeah. Um. Richard. Uh. He, so he wrote uh, Legacy of Blood. And I don't know much else because I did not research about the author. Oh, here we go. He's a New York Times bestselling author and USA Today. Uh, written for such well-known series as World of Warcraft, Diablo, Dragonlance, Conan. Oh, hell yeah! Which, that's that's right up your alley. That's my uh, jam. And Pathfinder. And Pathfinder. is the creator... Yeah, huh. I, I guess Pathfinder has some... Yeah, I mean, Dungeons & Dragons has books, so why, yeah, why oh, not yeah, Pathfinder? Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and his creative popular epic fantasy saga, The Dragon Realm. He's also in comic, manga, and gaming material, and his works have been translated worldwide. So he's kind Richard, of another one of our, you know, uh Deeds Nyland style kind of writers for hire sort he's of. A, he's a journeyman, you know. Yeah. I, I, I think my favorite thing is on the back of my edition of it, uh, the way it describes it is an original tale of sword, sorcery, and timeless struggle based on the best-selling, award-winning, M-rated electronic game from Blizzard Entertainment. I love I love, I love that, that they threw in M-rated. M-rated. That's my favorite part. They're like, this isn't just regular fantasy. This is fantasy that fucks. It's like, not... <laughs> this, this isn't your grandpa's fantasy. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is based on M-rated fantasy. Well, it's funny is it doesn't say that on my version. No, it just says it just says uh, original tale 
yada 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 cuts out the m-rated part and then it has a sentence at the end that says intended for mature readers nice yeah mine's, so mine's it, got it, that too <laughs> it's oh okay they, but they had to so they but they took out the m-rated aspect. because it's 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 kind of lame it is pretty lame <laughs> it's pretty lame it's you guys lame. like mortal Kombat? Hey, it's pretty, pretty rough stuff. You guys like Mortal Kombat with the blood code entered? I don't this know, man. Is like that. I don't know if you guys have played Streets of Rage, but it's pretty rough. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> you ever play bad dudes? Those are some bad dudes. Those are some bad dudes. Are you pretty a bad, bad enough dudes. dude to re- rescue President Ronnie? <laughs> Spoiler well, alert. You shouldn't because he's a terrible president. You shouldn't. You should not rescue President Ronnie. Ronnie. The Contras. Uh, <laughs> That's why they called them the bad dudes, because they rescued yeah. him and it set in motion so many horrible things. We're- yeah, I mean, trickle down economics, yeah. uh, Iran Contra, all that stuff. All yeah. could have been a- a- avoided if the bad dudes had not rescued bad President dudes had Ronnie. Just taken a taken a break that day and been like, nah, taking a break. Oh, gosh. Lord. Anyway, Diablo. Diablo, <laughs> legacy of blood. Let's get into it. This is this let's, is a big. Let's one. get into it. So, uh, chapter one, we get introduced to uh, three adventurers. Yes, um, they are Norik, uh, Sadun, and Faustin. And uh, Norik and Sadun are warriors. They're fighters, and Faustin is a spoopy wizard man. Yep. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of took Saturn as like a thief. Like it looks like the, because um, I think when when the, we're introduced to a trio and yeah. it's the same classes that you could pick from the first Diablo game, right? So I was like kind of nervous. It's <laughs> like, oh god, are we just following? How do they? How are we following Diablo? I don't know. How you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And um, then and then they got a gem and then put it into their sword and the sword was better then. And then they found another sword and they checked the stats and then they and decided then they to go with the new sword. Cause it was better stats, even with the upgrade on the first slightly sword. better stats. And, it, and then and they killed a skeleton and loot just exploded just everywhere. A, just white trash. As far as the, eye can see. <laughs> and it's that for 500 pages, 500 pages later. Uh, no, thankfully it's not that. No, um, it actually, uh, one of the things that I've noticed about Richard Dack's writing so far is he's very good at the, um, oh, the lights. Oh no. oh no, I don't know. For for those of us playing the uh, podcast game at home, Kevin's light just went on and then off. <laughs> uh, it, hold on, let me turn it off. I think we're never going to see him again. <laughs> All right. So for those of you at home. I have a a light in the center of the room hanging from the ceiling and it's it's one of these it's got one of these big big ass fancy bulbs that looks like an old timey bulb so it has it looks like it has the giant filament inside like of it the, uh, Edison bulbs yeah yeah except it's LED right ah. uh but it's we've only had it for like 2 years and it's already acting up I just noticed it yesterday where I'll have it on and it'll be bright and then it'll just dim down for no reason. And then I'll forget <laughs> that it's on. And then like 30 minutes later, it'll go whoop and, and brighten back up again. Like, it's like there's a poltergeist in it. It's like, yeah. So Diablo. Well, I mean, that's actually perfectly appropriate because perfectly appropriate. Yours is not the only place that is haunted. Yes. <laughs> so 
we've got our party. We've got our party. We, you, yeah, we you. got our party. And yeah. uh, so, as I was saying, the thing that Richard Knack seems to be really good at so far is like describing environments and and so like the giving a kind of like the the flavor text of, he of sets the area the scene real well, he sets yeah. scenes very well um like i said uh, i was talking to phil a couple of weeks ago i was like you know the opening sentence has a skull right in it and that's right perfect it. for diablo <laughs> it's just metal as fuck right off the bat yeah it's it's pretty great so you know you sat down with your friends said let's play a weekend game of D. There's only three of you, but who cares? Who wants to be what? And uh, we got our full party. We uh, got a ranger, mm-hmm. uh, a fighter, and a sorcerer. And they you know? made and they made the rookie mistake: uh, no healer, no healer, uh, and, no and healer. Gonna, all offense, no defense. No, and that's going to come into play <laughs> later Real on. Quick. So they're investigating this uh, tomb and it talks about how they're seven levels down, which yep. I feel like has to be like a nod to the to the actual game. Totally. Talking about it, it, it being laid out in levels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally, totally. You know, you just they just they made their way down seven levels. And I, but I think the funniest part to me about that is because you think seven levels, you're like, oh, God, what you've been playing the game for about, you know, half an hour at this point. But right. they make a point of saying, and they saw basically nothing the whole yes. way down. There's just been nothing. They have seen uh, traps that had already previously been tripped yep. and no bodies. So like, so like the spikes are already out of the wall. Like there's nothing for them to avoid. The traps are already have already been launched. Yep. Um, one of the, mo- the interesting things though, is there, cause they're like talking back and forth and they're thinking about, you know, the, their adventures so far. And uh, they talk about um, this better be not better not be like what they just ran into in Tristram, Tristram which is yeah. where Diablo takes place. And there was like two weeks earlier, they were just in Tristram, and and like they were like, oh yeah, now Diablo's to- Diablo's tomb has already been hit. This guy went da- all the way down, killed Diablo, and since then everybody's taken everything. And it, so right. basically, I think it's hilarious that our traveling party is a, is these three guys who are just like a couple weeks too late right in for the for the Diablos <laughs> Diablo they, they one story <laughs> they basically came in after you the player cleared out the dungeon <laughs> like like the townspeople talk about this guy the wanderer you know yeah. and, and who who basically went down the rumors he killed Diablo took all the loot there's nothing left and that's what they've already dealt with so they're worried that this is going to that they're this basically the same following thing. more of yeah. your hijinks <laughs> that is an absolute wink to the audience it's i think it's a really great way to open the book you know? it is a good way it's, it's like, like this it's is like not in no way not, copying the game yeah, this is not diablo one diablo no. one clearly happened two weeks prior right right <laughs> like we're setting like a, a timeline two weeks ago diablo one happened mm-hmm. and it's not related to that yeah and that that character you played that you had so much fun investing in he's done he's moved on you're he's you're moved not, on you're not he's the wanderer book. he's continued wandering right right he, he kept going so uh yeah we've got uh norik the fighter who's basically like a retired veteran at this yeah. point um he's and uh Seydun, uh who yeah thief ranger soldier kind of guy um who suggests basically is like, look, if the the the, the nearby militia is hiring mercenaries, maybe <laughs> yeah. we could 
go join up with Let's them. Let's go join the army or something. I don't yeah. know, man. I need and, something to eat. <laughs> right. And Nork has no interest in that because he that's why he's a, a dirtbag, uh, you know, murder hobo these days because he yep. hated the army. Uh, so they keep going and they're approaching the central chamber, you know, and that's where we should be able to find if there's anything in here, there's going to be something in this. There's going to be chamber. loot. There's going to be some loot in this some chamber. loot. There's got to be something. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they they get in there. Uh, they're they're getting and things are starting to get a little spoopy. Um, uh, the 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 wizard who is also referred to as a Vigeri, um, which. I don't know enough about Diablo to know if that means anything, but he's he's a he's a he's a particular type of person. Um, <laughs> I think and, it's the general like order of the sorcerers. Like, sure. I, I think I don't I don't think it's because we do get another order later on. Uh, yes. Another the, one of the other main characters, ostensibly right. is, is a different order. Um so yeah, uh, Faustin, the sorcerer, is basically he has he's been lighting the way this entire time with his staff. You know, he has uh, he has one of those D and D spells that lights yeah. shit up. Whatever, it's yeah. magic. <laughs> they go ahead and they light some torches. You know, because it's for some reason it's like in the central chamber. It's especially dark, so his glowy yeah. staff is not not doing the trick. They right. light up some torches, and wouldn't you know it? Uh, they find things. It's a lot of dead bodies. It oh, is. It is. It is just so many dead bodies. It is. It is a remarkable amount of dead bodies. Think yeah. of the the ship scene in Goonies, yeah, where they find One Eyed Willie and yeah. and multiply it by a factor of like five. It just imagine that that like <laughs> that that Corey Feldman would be tripping every like thirty seconds over right. over a over some bones yeah you know it's just just different yeah and some of them are bones basically down to dust and some of them are uh you know just kind of shrunken court like they they various kind of, states of decomposition various de states yeah. of decomposition nobody too recent uh but yeah but they don't know what killed them they just know that they're in a room full of dead bodies uh the walls are covered in gems and these magic runes and there are most importantly just piles upon piles of treasure piles like, of gold like a like a D, &D you know uh uh cover you know yeah. just just the just jewels and gold and everything it's, like that. it's the it's the dragon's horde without the dragon exactly exactly <laughs> as far as they can tell nothing to be worried about except the impending doom that comes from being in a room full of corpses <laughs> Yeah, so corpses uh, in the Diablo universe tend to resurrect, don't they? They do that. They do that a lot. Uh, they're they're big on that, especially when on... you deal with necromancers. But uh, yeah, this yeah. is some necromancy takes effect, and wouldn't you know it? The corpses uh, corpses come alive. Right. Who couldn't? Right. Who could have seen that happening? Who who would have, who would have thunk it? You know, it's it's uh, yeah. They they uh, they. See, yeah, they're surrounded by these things beforehand. They, they, they end at the end of, at the end of the room is this dais uh, that has this the remains of this body in this specific red armor. Yeah, it's red suit of armor. Yeah, and uh, the wizard investigates and 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 sees that the body doesn't have a head, and there's yeah. no sign of the head anywhere, and it, it kind of tells him uh, where they are. And uh, let me see. 
it gives him it gives him an idea where they are. He says, by heaven, no, do you not see? One gloved finger pointed at the red breastplate. This is the lost tomb of Bartuk, lord of demons, master of darkest sorcery, the warlord of blood. The words escaped Norik as little more than a gasp. He knew very well the tales of Bartuk, who had been who had risen among the ranks of sorcerers, only to later turn to darkness, to the demons. Now the redness of the armor made perfect and horrible sense. It was the color of human blood. So the smarter two members of the party immediately go, we're getting the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> you know, they're getting, and this is, and this is why, because at no point, because you're right, at no point did they say that Saidun uh, is like a thief per se right. or a rogue, but he fills all the tropes when they go, Saidun, we got to get out of here. And he's, Feeling like he's basically like a cartoon character, filling his pockets with gold and yeah. putting rings on every finger, and uh, he's and he's just going, no, come on, guys, absolutely not. He's We've the been guy from so hard for this. He's the guy from uh, what's it? Um, uh, the Mummy. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just he's just he's 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 he can't see the forest, you know, for the corpses and uh, yeah, the forest from the corpses. The skeletons from the the half eat remains, right? Uh, and Nork and and uh, and and Faustin are are basically like, you know, they they at least I think I think the wizard is like he deals in sorcery enough to know a cursed room when he sees one. Yeah, and Nork is superstitious enough to go absolutely not. No, thank right. you. Faustin Faustin casts uh, detect magic, and he's like, oh boy, this is not good. Right, right. <laughs> And the legend with Bartuk basically is they said he was a terrible, horrible warlord who used demons to destroy everything in his path. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up being defeated by his brother and his body was entombed in this very tomb to seal away his evil. Yeah. Uh, and a whole uh, lot of evil. Yeah. Yeah. And many of his kids, uh, 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 like a, a lot of his followers had kids. And uh, those people still are around today and uh, mm. basically kind of in, imply that Norik was probably, you know, fighting alongside of them when he was in the army. Right. Uh, and so they pull a Marines. We are leaving. Yeah. Uh, but not in uh, not in a good enough time. Not, not in a good enough, enough time, time because guess what? The Skelly men are awake now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a classic. It's a classic movie scene. You got the guy basically stuffing a burlap sack with a dollar bill on it, full of gold, just gibbering about just the Scrooge money. Scrooge McDuck in it. Absolutely. And as he's doing this, <laughs> there's just this shambling horde of zombies coming up behind him and his friends are pulling the Bugs Bunny like. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, it's, uh, it's yeah. not a good it's not a good moment. Uh, so they have to fight. They're fighting. They're going nuts. They, yeah, it they is tooth and nail. And, and Norik is being forced, pushed back and back. He's separated, basically. For, he gets up south, separated from Sadun and Faustin. And he's being pushed back and back towards the dais. Dais? 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 Dais. 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 Yeah. Um, he gets get pushed back towards the pedestal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he's fighting. He loses his sword to the horde. And he's like just trying to do anything he can. And he puts his hand back and he accidentally touches the armor. Yes. And uh, when he pulls his hand back from the armor, uh, he is now somehow wearing the gauntlet 
of yeah. the the of Bardock's armor. Yeah, and um, things spin wildly out of control from Absolutely. there. Absolutely, <laughs> everything. Like he starts talking words against his will. Uh, just like just he starts speaking these horrible magic words that no one really understands. Maybe the wizard understands, probably. Yeah. But he doesn't. He's, he's he's no idea. He's an old grunt. He doesn't know what it's like. It's like if your buddy who was in a fraternity for six years of undergraduate uh, suddenly started spouting Latin uh, <laughs> at you and, and, and Latin that had nothing, you know, and not Greek for once. Right. Uh, you know, it just uh, I just realized what it did there. And, uh, <laughs> and that would that would freak you out. Right. right. And, it, and indeed, it freaks out everybody in the room. Uh, but the one good thing is that the magic words that he uses somehow consumes uh, the undead and drops them. Uh, yeah. And it leaves the, the, the party of three basically untouched. Untouched. You know what? They're they are touched. They are totally safe. A hundred percent safe. Things are a OK. Except, um, except Nork starts to have some Bilbo Baggin thoughts. Yeah, he definitely is <laughs> is. uh um, he's, it's definitely a, a, after all, why couldn't I have the ring? Right. Um, <laughs> That's exactly what I was why shouldn't I keep the gauntlet on? <laughs> and the wizard, it's, it's terrific because the wizard knows what's going on and very carefully, very diplomatically starts going, maybe just, you should take the glove just off. Take perhaps. the gauntlet off. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, he, he, no. Norik grabs Faustin by the throat and mm-hmm. Faustin is trying to tell Sadon cut his arm off. Like you have to cut his arm off. So right. Just it's not get coming it off. off. It's, the, the, that it, glove you, isn't just sliding off. That glove, you got to cut his arm off to get the glove off of him. Um, and then we cut to black. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're left wondering what's hap- what happened to Faustin and Sadon. Yeah. I don't know. Pretty, pretty good opening. If you ask me, like, it's like, a pretty good opening. You get you get your you get your your metal as fuck D and D party in, yeah, and then one of them starts killing the other one with ancient cursed armor, and Cradle of Filth starts playing in the background. Opening credits, you know, there we are. Yeah, Legacy of Blood. Boom. Legacy of Blood. That's that's perfect. Flame particle effects. Yeah, disposable teens starts playing. Yep, and. <laughs> and then it's, we get a wide sweeping shot of a desert. Yeah. Because we're in chapter two now. That's right. And we are meeting our uh I guess he's a villain for all intents and purposes. I, I'm trying hard. I can think I can only put my finger on one character that I'm definitely associating as a hero with a question mark. <laughs> yeah, Let there's only one so them. far that's like there's only one so far, and we haven't even met her yet. That yeah. is the hero, hero, um, heroic, heroic, and yeah. uh, of in the first five chapters, she has by far the fewest scenes. Oh, absolutely, she does. <laughs> fingers crossed, we'll see more of her. But for now, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, but we're not there yet because no. we are here in Aranok, um, Aranok, with the. Uh, the army of Mr. General Augustus, and I shit you not, this is his name, and he is the villain, Malevolent. <laughs> Malevolent! He- 
Malevolent. I'm sure, Kevin. What shame else? Shame on you. Shame on you for assuming that this in our pulp sword and sorcery novel that the general warlord Malevolent is is the villain. Absolutely going to be the 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 the, the villain. How dare you? How dare I? I, I, I thought you were of. Of a broader mind than that. I apologize. I, I I should not have assumed that based on his name, Malevolent, his General Malevolent was. Uh, he might be a stand-up guy. He does. He does sound like a He-Man villain or something. He is. A, he is basically a He-Man villain for he all intents and purposes. Yeah. He has a. Um, so to to cut to the gist of it, he's he's been massing this army and. Um, he uh he has a sorceress that and this is the this part of the book is the is uh the the she breasted boobily down the stairs. Yes. <laughs> yes. We get a real um <laughs> Melisandra and Stannis Baratheon kind of uh vibe here. Definitely that's basically what it is. It's Melisandra yeah. and Stannis Baratheon yeah, and she is she's the witch Galeona, Galeona. Is, is the sorceress that works for Malevolin. And the way it's first set up, I was like, does he report to Galeona? Because she has this massive tent. And right. We're like, no, he she it other way around. And they um, when they talk about like how his soldiers, his soldiers are all insanely loyal to him. Yeah. Uh like he's a good, he's a good leader, you know, they trust him and they don't know why they're stuck out in this desert. Uh, they'd been marching and fighting for a while, and now they've been in this desert for a while. And the only thing that, and they just kind of whisper among themselves because the witch has got a tent, and he hops into the tent with her, and then sometimes she hops into his tent with him, and clearly some funny business going on there. Yeah, they're banging. They're banging. They're banging. Why wouldn't uh, they? Be? And the desert and gets lonely. The desert gets lonely. In fact, um, there's a bit of dialogue. Uh, Galeona, my Galeona, slept you well. When I actually slept, my general. Ooh, ooh, oh, malevolent. Malevolent. Oh, boy. Oh, my. Oh, my. Young um, man. So uh, what you find out, what we find out is that malevolent is um, he's in search for the thing that we just saw in the first chapter. That's um, right. He has. So if you recall, the armor was without a head. And yes. thusly without a helmet. Who has the helmet? Malevolent has the helmet. He wants yes. the rest of the armor. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, it's kind of, uh, they get right into it. I will give it to them. They get right into it. You know, he's been having dreams of uh, Bartuk's armor. She's got the helmet. Clearly, everyone's, this is, we've got our MacGuffin. And it's an evil, murderous MacGuffin this it's, time it's around. A, it's a, it's a, it's an armor. It's the armor of the murder hobo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus five. Yes. Plus five armor of the murder hobo. <laughs> yeah. This is this is this is the ultimate murder hobo. It's a armor. legendary set of armor. Uh, <laughs> it is quite literally plot armor at times. It is plot armor at this point. Yeah. And as we'll see. Um, but yeah. So so uh, malevolent is like is he is quick to anger. Um, yes, because uh, he he gets like semi abusive to Galeona in this scene as well. Um, it is it's it's a it's a weird relationship. Um, yeah. And yeah. 
once he leaves, um, you start to find out what her her deal is. Um, yeah, because when you get a character like this, it's really easy to, you know, what the fuck is her side? What's she this? getting out of it? What is she you know? getting out of this? She's this, you know? she's this. She's a she's this wicked hot sorceress who yeah. is just like, why is she traveling around with this this hot headed general? Right. And she said, you know, she wants him to be Bartuk's successor and yeah. all that shit. But why? But why? We're about to find out why. We're about to find out. Um uh uh you know the 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 bug dude from um Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Oh yeah. Zorak? Zorak. So yeah. this is his brother Zazax. Right. <laughs> A demon praying mantis. <laughs> Is there any better kind, I ask you? <laughs> so hidden in the shadows of the tent it comes out Zazax, who is a demon praying mantis, who is uh, basically um, Galeona and Zazax have their own plans for, yes. for Bartok's armor. And it's just like it's if, with all these magic people, it's plans upon plans upon plans. It's yeah. like like Malevolent doesn't know what Galeona actually wants. And find out Galeona doesn't necessarily know what Zazax actually wants. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so we 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 get a it's it's basically people betraying people betraying people. Yeah. Uh, so Zazax confirms they've had this vision of the armor. It's been they they find out that they've realized that the armor has been taken by some schmuck uh, some nobody in the middle some of nowhere. Sh- some absolute schmuck, absolute loser of a schmuck. Absolute loser. He is such a dork. Such a dork. Such a stupid, stupid. And uh, and so they if his name could, Dorek or something. <laughs> something, something Dorek. Some some sweaty dork. name like. <laughs> Just some yeah, some sweaty old man. <laughs> he is a D I O N O S A. You are a dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, and. I I cursed us to that fucking earworm. How would I do that? If I'm doing this, you're coming down with me. Why'd you do Uh, that? And uh, so Zazek confirms that the armor of Bartuk, that that is indeed what's happening. It's authentic. And uh, Galeona is kind of like musing that she can manipulate the man in the armor. Ooh, the way she always manipulates men with a strongly worded logical opinion. No, no, with 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 boobs that have surface tension, that kind of (laughs) that kind of body, apparently, Uh, which we've already we've only gotten a hint at what happens to the dude inside of the arbor. So I'm not thinking Galeona um, has uh, much of a shot in hell here. Yeah, no, no. Basically, she's just she's just going to try to get everybody in the same room together. Everyone, the demon, the warlord and the loser with the armor and whoever comes out on top she'll just basically try to attach herself to exactly that's yeah. that's all she she wants to do did you listen to the audiobook at all by the way yeah a little bit okay did you hear the the voice for zazax i don't remember it's so fun yeah the, so like the guy is doing like regular voices and then when the zazax voice comes on he starts going this one knows that the armor is oh, that's, true. Yes, yes. This one knows that the it wanders this mortal plane. <laughs> He's clearly, I do remember that. He's like having so much fun with it. 
voice actors just chewing the scenery with just this Just chewing guy. the absolute scenery. I it's love it. Great. It's great. And the best part is, is when you read the book, uh, it's written to be that way. It's not like the guy had any other. He would sound stupid if he read those lines like a normal person. You've got to you've got to put some some stank on it and be a weird demon guy for it to actually work. And it's hilarious. It Yeah, yeah it's really this good. one knows that the armor's true. Mm. Yeah. Yes, he does. He this does. one knows. Mm. Yeah, he, it doesn't he work. It could probably be a Werner Herzog accent. Now, that is true. Now, that I would actually, I would have strongly approved of that kind of turn. This one knows. <laughs> I, would, the, I would like uh, to see the armor. The armor. This one knows that the armor is true. I am uh, praying mantis for some reason. It praying is, uh, mantis. I don't know how uh, I went French for some I don't know what the fuck yeah, I'm doing. Uh, 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 yes. I am a prime mantis, and uh, you uh, are uh, uh, some loser who found the armor. Uh, then I say quoi? Uh, yeah. Loser? Loser? <laughs> <laughs> loser. Zazax is puffing on a cigarette. In you, scene. you provincial peasant. <laughs> I do. I do remember once I I used to work with a with a, a handful of Romanians, uh, and uh, and we were all having a smoke break at one point, and uh, and I and I said to one we were talking about rednecks or something. Some they referred to some guy as a redneck, and I went, "Hey, what's the what's the Romanian version of that? What would you call like a redneck in Romania?" And one of them thought about it, and she went, um, "A peasant, I guess." <laughs> And I went, oh, wow, that's way better. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's there it is. That's Wow, that's so much there's worse. A, there's a solid historical burn right there. Damn. Like, so uh, <laughs> that that brings us to the end of chapter two. So chapter three, uh, we find out what happens to the rest of the part adventuring party. Oh, well, yeah. let me tell you, it uh, it wasn't rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> It was not great. I, I I think this was actually hilarious because I thought the way they ended chapter one, like it's like he blacks out and all he hears is screaming. And so I'm like, yeah. oh, everyone's dead now. Uh, and we're right. But it basically picks up right there from that. end, And we actually see him killing we, uh, uh, not we, the wizard. We, He's already we, done that. We hear the memory of the, the, the words. But. We don't see it yet right away because mm. he wakes up in the middle of a field covered in blood. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. And then as the armor keeps walking, by the way, he can't stop walking. This is hilarious. This is so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Because based on the way the first chapter ended, I kind of thought that like he's now a demon, like the armors possessed him. Kind of. Kind of. Not. Sort the of. armor basically forces him to go and do the things that he wants, that it wants him to. You ever and see Weekend at Bernie's? Marching. You ever see Weekend at Bernie's? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a weekend Weekend at Bernie's rules. I mean, Norik is alive and, and Bernie is dead, but, um, you know, same same concepts. Exactly. And it just, <laughs> you get this impression, because he doesn't want to keep marching, uh, yeah. but the armor forces him. So, yeah, you do see this. You kind of imagine his upper body bending back while his legs are just kind of <laughs> walking stepping along yeah, yeah it's kind of hilarious especially when we get to a point where he just wants to take a nap and he cannot he cannot um yeah uh i have no nap and i must nap uh, right <laughs> um so yeah 
as he's walking along, he starts to remember exactly what happened. Right. That's and right. Uh, oh, my camera went out of focus. Get back on there, camera. What do you think? Follow the finger. Follow the finger. Everything no. is haunted in your office today. Whatever. <laughs> Kevin, oh, the so melodious sound of your voice will have to be enough. The melodious sound of my voice will carry you. Carry you through. Carry you episode. through the night. Um, <laughs> Norik remembers that he ripped out Faustin's throat. Yeah. Just ripped it right on out. You don't forget that. I hope. You don't forget that. And then he, um, how did he kill Soudan? Um, not, it wasn't pl pleasant. However, it was, it was, uh, it, it, it's, it's dead. He was dead though. By the end. He's dead. Very, oh, he kills dead. them both. Yeah. He kills them both. Then he, then he also wipe, puts the blood on the armor. He like, the yes, armor. he wipes the, he, it, it, there's a theme of that. He, the, the armor likes having blood wiped. It enjoys the it. blood. It yes. enjoys blood on it. Um, it is it is sort of like the uh, those 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 uh, crist swords from Dune. Right. Uh, it needs it needs to soak up some blood before you put it away. Exactly. <laughs> so he's he's marching along. He's trying to remove his gloves. He can't do it. No. He tries the other pieces of armor he has on because he's like, okay, the gloves won't come off, but you know, but the uh, the the boots and everything they've got clasps on it. Maybe I can unclasp them. Right. Uh, and the moment he does that, they just clasp right back together again. Yeah. Not happening. Yeah, not happening. He's and not. Basically, he's like, I've got to find a wizard who will uncurse. I, I'm wearing a cursed item. It's old RPG rules where you haven't identified the item. You equip it anyway. It's You're... cursed. Oh, and man, you have to find someone to uncurse it. Bad news when yep. you uh, when you when you uh, when you put on some cursed gear. Dude, always identify your items first. Always identify first. Um, so he starts like stumbling a little bit. Um, his well, his body starts stumbling. Oh yeah, um, because he doesn't want to be walking anyway, and he realizes that he's hungry. Like he hasn't eaten anything, so his body is basically just starting to fail. Right. Um, and there's one thing that the armor cannot abide is its boy Norik having a rumbly tummy. So yeah, it's, it's whiny human. It's Who whiny human. <laughs> so in the most absurd scene. I love this so much. It's so good. It's so it good. Is, it, is, it, is, it is so overly complicated yeah. in a way to feed somebody. Um, the armor summons, opens a rift in the ground and summons demons out of it. Yep. For the express purpose of cooking him a rabbit. <laughs> right. He literally he literally utters a magic word. The earth opens up. Half a dozen pig demons crawl out of the It's like a it's like a third graders idea of what hell is. It's yeah. like literal pig monsters pulling themselves out of the earth and they're not happy to be there. They, and then the armor like, they're like makes what? him utter. Oh yeah. <laughs> armor makes him utter a word that terrifies them. They go off and run or they bring back uh, a dead goat, several rabbits, and a lizard. And he kind of said, All right, the rabbit, I guess. He's kind of disgusted by all this. And he goes to pick up one of the rabbits, and the armor burns his hand, and he doesn't know why until he pulls his hand back and sees that the rabbit has now been dressed and seasoned and perfectly cooked. Perfectly. 
perfectly, perfectly cooked. Per- the sous vide of medieval armor. He has just perfectly cooked this rabbit, and it, and he kind of, and he just, and he eats it. This is the greatest armor of all time. And, greatest uh, armor of all time. Greatest armor of all time. And he eats the rabbit, gives the rest to the pig demons who kind of make him lose his appetite in the way that they eat it. Yeah. They crawl back into the earth, which closes up after them, and he moves on. Like Continues they, walking. The, the armor moves. It's like, we were talking about this before. It's like, this armor does will do all kinds of shit. It's going to summon things out of nowhere. It's going to do all kinds. It is literal plot armor. Yeah, uh, it will do whatever the story needs. It will do whatever the story needs. But for so, and and usually in a pretty effective, straightforward, straight line kind of way. But for whatever reason, whatever reason, it's like we're gonna summon some hunt some pig demons to hunt <laughs> some some food for you. And this and isn't then, the first time. The only time it's gonna happen. This is the it's, only time it's gonna happen. This, no, it isn't. Like it keeps. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Like, that's the one, I love it so much. Yeah. (laughs) This detail. It's it's an amazing detail. And it's like, it's like something you want to fold into a D&D game. Oh my God. And, and, and (laughs) I'm going to. The moment we play a D&D game with someone who doesn't listen to the show. (laughs) You're going to have like this really weird random encounter. (laughs) Yeah. Pig demon sous chefs. And just like, oh, it's gonna be amazing. It's like you're okay. You're taking first watch. Can you roll a d twenty for me? Yes, and please. It's like a, a, a seven, and, and you're uh, like, all right. Well, the the earth trembles before you, and <laughs> and uh, it opens up, and these pig demons come out. Yeah, and one d four plus two pig demons. One d four plus two pig demons come out, and um, and uh, but they're wearing chef's hats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And one of them, you can't understand what they're saying, but one of them dis- displays a, uh, a diploma uh, from the uh, Cordon Bleu Institute. So- yeah, and uh, they 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 quickly and efficiently chop down some wood, build a little pop-up shop for... Mm. <laughs> Start selling you kidney pies. You don't want to know where they came from, but there they are. <laughs> they yeah. had the kidneys want- with them when they came out of hell. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, come to your hell own kidneys. conclusions. Probably... Probably the kidneys of some damned people is my guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and so finally he's full of food. He feels better because he's not starving anymore. But now all he wants to do is sleep. And he literally cannot, the armor will not let him sit down. Nope. It will not, and, and which just mentally brings to mind the most ridiculous, like if you were adapting this to a movie, you could not include this scene. No. Without completely losing all credibility and seriousness. The armor is a dad driving his family on a cross-country trip. <laughs> yeah. Just, just no, no, no. Everyone like, stay can we stop? I'm like no. driving by a McDonald's. They're like, mm-hmm. uh, can we stop, get McDonald's? And the dad pulls in, orders a black coffee. and, and- right. <laughs> Mr. Mullaney, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and it just and forces him to keep marching so norik is having a real normal he's not having a good time norik is is having a real bad time this is alive which is more than he can say for his buddies this is why we're not calling norik a hero um, right because he's not having puppet he's he's not he's just like oh poor buddy right what (laughs) what norik would or wouldn't do given his own free will we do not know we don't know he has not had free will for the majority of time that we've known him Yes. Yeah. So we don't know if he's a good guy, bad guy. He's just a he's a 
He's a warm body. He's a warm point. body, and that's the all the armor really needs right now. Yeah. Uh, but now we meet, um, we meet ostensibly our protagonist. Maybe I don't know. Yes. We'll see. We'll see after as we get further into the book. I don't know yeah. yet, though. So um, far, this one feels like the only one that we could call a hero? Question mark? Question mark? Yeah, Kara. Kara, uh, who is a necromancer. Yeah, she is. She's a follower of Rathma. And yeah. a necromancer, and Which, uh, you don't get a lot of heroic necromancers. So no, I we don't. That. It's do one of my favorite wizard classes. Yeah, it's it's nice because you know what? It's more of just like like the necromancer. Just because they deal with death a lot doesn't mean that they're inherently bad. They just have a better right. understanding of death, and I think that's kind of how they pick, portray Kara as like <laughs> excuse me, it's like death is just part of the cycle of life, and she's yes. it's just where she draws her magic from. She says she's a part of the death positivity movement. Death positivity movement, basically, I, which I, which I love. So yeah, yeah keep, keep them going, keep them going. So she shows up at the, uh, the tomb, uh, of, of, uh, Bardock and she's like, ah, fuck. Right. <laughs> she immediately sees, Oh no. So she's the, the backstory on her is interesting because she is like one of the less least experienced members of whatever, group she's a member of the followers right, she's, kind of she's kind of an apprentice she's a low-ranking person and and but everybody else is busy so they're like hey <laughs> everybody else is busy doing shit they're like can you go check on the tomb of bardock we feel we have a we have a bad feeling something happened there she's like okay and she goes down there and yes something bad happened there the armor's missing <laughs> right the whole the one, yeah that the whole thing, thing. <laughs> the thing that we're trying to entomb and encapsulate here to avoid you know, it's, the it's, end of the world yeah because it's her group's magic that set the trap, the the, right. the trap of the resurrecting soldiers. So basically, every time somebody made it further into the tomb, it would add to the numbers right. of of uh, of undead that would it's attack. It's a pretty great it's, trap when you it think is, about yeah. it. It makes its own gravy. It's fantastic. It does. But now yeah. they're all gone, and uh, there's like two fresh dead bodies down there. Yeah. And um, the armor's missing. <laughs> Right. So <laughs> she basically she investigates the uh, uh, Faustin, the uh, the dead wizard's body, and does this ritual that essentially summons the ghost mm-hmm. of the wizard, uh, or kind of a placeholder. And she has to ask it very uh, uh, simple questions. Ouija board rules, right? Right. You know, <laughs> yes or no, that kind of thing. It was very. Uh, it made me think a lot. It was the very vampire, the masquerade. Mm-hmm. necromancy kind of thing like very simple the dead kind of deal and it gives her a brief idea basically of what went yeah. down and and to do all this she uses this powerful magic ivory handled knife uh that's like this ritual dagger that like it cuts into stone at one point it's a pretty badass weapon yeah um and she but she hears a sound in the tomb and ends up following this crimson figure that she sees and kind of assumes it must be a ghost or something that she's going to have to expel. Uh, she leaves her knife behind, and when she realizes that she's left it behind, she turns around to go get it, and at that point, she realizes that the knife, both of the corpses, and the crimson figure are all, poof, they're gone. gone. Whoops. Basically, Whoops. Uh, imagine a cop leaving his losing his gun on his first day on the job oh god that's basically what Kara just did that is exactly yeah bad shit that's oh my god that's exactly what happens 
she's a she's a she's basically a a, a, a necromancy cop. Right. I mean, kind of, yeah, kinda. yeah. They're, she's a she's a necromancy mall cop, and it's the most dangerous mall in the world. So, and she was told King of Prussia or something. Yes, <laughs> that's for the, that's for the Pennsylvanians. That's out for there. the Pennsylvanians. Also, the largest mall on the eastern seaboard. Yes, that's yes. so you know. So that's super dangerous. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, how chapter three ends chapter three ends with with uh cara losing her gun and chapter four begins with um kind of like a weird scene and i have no idea what it means uh there's just just basically an old dude and there's a snake and a beetle and yeah like uh, we get we get this nature scene we get this weird david attenborough kind of scene this is how i interpret it (laughs) it's like it's this sand snake slithering through the desert sun, trying to find shelter because the sun's only getting higher. And 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 as it goes, it gets devoured by this seven foot long beetle uh, that sees an old withered man there and spits acidic venom at him. Uh, it burns through the guy's shirt, starts to damage him, and he just kind of with a wave of his hand dissipates the the horrible venom and with a second wave of his hand essentially just destroys uh the giant bug he refers to it as a sand maggot yep and then a hidden home in the dunes uh just kind of appears opens up to him like he's the diamond in the rough right right exactly if it had been in the shape of a tiger with an open mouth i wouldn't have been surprised yeah and he just kind of mutters something vague about evil is coming and Walks into his definitely house. be careful, right? <laughs> While <laughs> I go into my into my sand house, Pepperidge I love Farms, this man remembers. already. I <laughs> I am invested in his survival and his dune house. I want a tour, and uh, so that's a real brief scene. Now we're back yeah. with Norick, uh, the Walking Man. Oh, the, yeah, the, the the ultimate Walking Man. Poor the Norik. ultimate Walking Man. Um, Norick finds himself. Um, uh, finds himself at an inn. Yes. If you think this is going to end well, spoilers. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Nothing with his armor ends well. Yeah, but we do get we get an inn, and you see, he it's filled with a a motley gathering just, of people, just like, people, uh, a yeah. hive of scum and villainy. Right. I was about to say it was like the Moss Eisley Cantina. The Moss Eisley Cantina, for all intents yeah, and purposes, crossed with your least favorite D and D group. You know, it's just <laughs> the one that you played in middle school. You know, yep. it just everyone's a power gamer. Everyone's a power gamer. They're all min maxed, and it's all murder <laughs> hobos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the innkeeper, he's starving, and the and the innkeeper. Uh, tells him he can't have any food without any money. So the armor essentially conjures, conjures a gold coin. Just gold and like goes like, oh, is this behind you? You've got dirty <laughs> ears. Is this and, your card? Yeah. And uh yeah, and 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 basically the gold, it's because he's paying with gold and not like trade. Like normally in this kind of area, you'd be right. like, hey, I've got some eggs. Can I, you know, right. or something? And I don't know why you'd trade food for more food but the point is <laughs> it's it's a trade or barter system right right and uh the gold has gotten people's attention it catches people oh by the way i enjoy that they that he uh richard knack describes the innkeeper as having an extravagant belly oh yeah <laughs> i made a note of 
that. I was like, that's what I'm calling this thing from now on. <laughs> this is an ex this isn't this isn't a beer gut, it's an extravagant belly. <laughs> My god. Yeah, that's a that is that is good writing. <laughs> the Ursine Giant. God, yeah, they, he has a way with words, doesn't he? he does. Yeah, just an Ursine giant with an extravagant belly. And uh, uh yeah, so the guy basically he pays with gold and he's like, okay, I need a room. So he gets a room, he gets he's a taking bowl his, of, his stew and he's taking stew, the stew up to his room. And he's like, I'm gonna die, right? Like all of those guys saw the gold, they're gonna fuck me up. It's like the armor is not very bright, basically. No, no, the armor is very single-minded. It's like, look, we're just gonna give these people what they want, what they what they want the most. Yep. It seems to be what it is. And and uh and and then we get to move on with our lives. So but finally the armor does let Cornor get some sleep. Yeah. Uh so he he has a dream of being uh General Bartuk, essentially. He's he's in charge of a bunch of horrible demons, and he's having this terrible dream of being a monster, uh, and wakes to the sound of someone slowly quietly making up their making their way upstairs and and norik's like there's no there's no reason for anybody to be sneaking like right. the only reason for anyone to be sneaking and i hear you doing your sneaky moves is if they're trying to kill me right <laughs> so three and, guys bust in the door trying to kill him so, so norik calls it they try right they, they come right in try to kill him and um he, he he's thinking momentarily like maybe the armor is just going to let me die and it thinks one of these guys is better suited right. to be in the armor or something um but no the armor uh kills the shit out of these guys kills the shit out of these guys summons a sword from out of nowhere like a warlock like a war yeah <laughs> just and just kills everybody they end up rolling downstairs where the innkeeper and one of his buddies are waiting to basically berate these guys because they see the guys running out again. Yeah. And they're ready to be like, what the fuck? Where did you, did you not get the guy's money? Right. The innkeeper's in on it. Yeah. And uh, and and but instead they find themselves being attacked by uh, a he, weird half sleepy. Yeah. He's guy one armor. guy from his throat all the way down to his waist. Oh yeah, there's some um, graphic fights. In there's this some graphic book. violence in this. Um, so it, so he goes downstairs and he faces off against the innkeeper who has the biggest sword he has ever seen. Yeah. Um, and the innkeeper is uh, had he been had he not been in the armor, he the innkeeper might have won because the innkeeper is actually kind of clever with his fighting. He knows how to surround somebody, and he's also massive. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he's clearly uh, been a fighter in the past. Norik has the armor of Bartuk, and uh, uh, yeah, he he kills kills the other guy. Innkeeper takes off running. Yeah, and then um, the armor, not satisfied, uh, takes the blood of one of the dudes, draws a symbol, and summons a demon, and then tells the demon to go fetch the bartender. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> pig rabbit dinner all over again <laughs> it's like okay i'm not because armor because there's the thing the armor i don't run i don't run i don't, I don't chase. run no nah, no nah, i'm gonna let someone else do that it's, yeah he he, he yeah. delegates the chasing to it's, a demon he's like that's far you know yeah go get, no go get that no. guy and um he does <laughs> i mean he, he, he you could it the death happens off screen as much as it can in a book 
Right. <laughs> you hear the, right. It's like it's like no. It says something like Norik hears the screams raise and pitch until they're suddenly cut off. <laughs> yeah. It's it, yeah. So we know what happened. I we guess know, we know what happens. And uh, so, and uh, then the, and then uh, the armor continues to play with the blood. I'm assuming it's just going to rub more of that blood into just, itself. Just, just rubbing just, that just, blood mm, all over. Moisturize regimen, you know? Oh, I only get boy. to do it when I kill people, so once or twice a day tops. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we cut to General Malevolent again, our maybe hero, maybe a good guy, you never know. He could be a good guy. And maybe he's, he's a good guy. He's looking on the city of Lutgo Lane, um, yes. which yes. is like the richest city in the land, um, because uh, and nobody's ever taken it. And right. He There's like something to. that's always protected it. Yeah. It's like he thinks it might be magic is protecting it. I mean, it's also very hard to attack because of the it's like a strip. It's a narrow stretch of land situated right. between two seas or something like that. So it's it's very defensible. But he also thinks there's some sort of magic, uh, yeah. magical luck that the, the city has. Um, we get a little bit of uh, we get a little bit of backstory on him. He started out kind of as a, a commoner, you know, and, and kind of raised. He, he, yeah, he pulled a, himself a, up by his bootstraps. He's a landless noble. So yes, he has the title of a noble, but he doesn't have the lands of a noble. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and he he thinks that Bartuk's problem was that uh, Bartuk, while he was a warlord and everything like that, Bartuk was not a soldier. Or was not a, a soldier. He, he was, was a, a sorcerer. He was a sorcerer that fell into the warlording by way of magic, not by the right. way of knowing how to run an army. <laughs> right. It's a very it's a very right wing America hating college professors and theory kind of thing. Pretty much. It's like theory versus action. He's like his problem is he spent too much time thinking about it and studying shit. And I want to get out there and get my fuck so, on. So Malevolent's real goal then is once he gets the armor of Bartuk is to resurrect. Iraq, yeah. Uh, I was going to say resurrect JFK Jr. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's yeah, that's the end game here. Yeah, it's it's obvious. All signs point to yes. (laughs) We both. Oh, our political humor knows no bounds, my friend. (laughs) We've even we've even squeezed it right into Diablo. I mean, it's right in there. It's you'll never never escape. You'll You'll never never escape. escape You'll never um, but I think one of the interesting things is, is Malevolent has, is thinking all these thoughts and you're like, yes, these are all my own thoughts. And then we yeah. cut to the next scene and Zazak's like, ha they're my thoughts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Zazak's clearly whispering these ideas into Malevolent's head. <laughs> he's doing what demons do and he's, he's planting thoughts in Malevolent's head. Yeah. And one of the things I love is we get a little backstory into the politics of hell. Yes, I made a little graph. <laughs> you made a graph. I made a little. It's not, not much of one. I'll show everyone on Twitter uh, before the episode comes out. But I did the infernal civil war. Yep. So we get we get the we get it figured out. So Diablo, it's it's basically it's Asmodan and Belial or Belial's how they say it in the audiobook. Um, but Asmodan, uh, which is kind of a, a take on Asmodeus. I kind of love Diablo because it's not. Christianity does not appear to exist. Right. But old school, dark it's, ages, demons and angels it's, it's totally old, do. Very, it, yeah, it uses Old Testament names. Very much te- so. Yeah. So we've got Asmodan and Belial uh, or Belial fighting against 
uh, fighting against the other side of hell. Uh, and Which is the, Diablo. The Diablo, who wants Mi- to free his brothers, Bale ba- and Bale Mephisto. Bale and Mephisto. Yeah. So we get, that's that's the we get. And, and Zazek serves Belial. So as Medan and Belial have been are fighting each other. Bale I think and they're Mif- fighting. I thought they were fighting. With no. Them. So Bale and Mephisto are imprisoned. Yes. As Medan and Belial are fighting each other, and Diablo, they fear, would. Uh, so because they say, Zazax's lord, Belial, would reward his humble servant for such a find. Not only had the civil war in hell against Asmodan not gone well of late, uh, but troublesome yeah. rumors had reached the, there that the primeval Diablo had made good his escape, and if so, he would free his brothers Bale and Mephisto. So, I so see. it's like a it's like a it's like a hell triangle, right? You got Asmodan. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a hell angle. Yeah, a hell angle. You got Asmodan versus Belial um, versus uh, Diablo, Mephisto, and Bale. So it's more like that. Yes, exactly. There. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our Twitter account. Check out our Twitter and we'll to, to see my my beautiful illustration. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Zazax works for Belial. Yes. Belial's his boss. And um, okay, yeah, yep. And as and currently they are on the losing side. Asmodan is the one who is currently winning the war, the civil war in hell. It seems. Yes, um, so far. And and whatever Zazax is doing with Bartook's armor is kind of like a, um, seems to be a seems to be a hail mary. Uh, <laughs> it, it really is. It's like it's like one last big chance. Big you know? move. Yeah. Uh, like if we could get control of this, it might uh, tilt the 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 civil war in favor of us. Right. Right. So he's he's kind of contemplating all of this. When uh, 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 Galeona shows up and demands to know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. He's like, uh, you're not supposed to be out and about, you, you dingus. Right. <laughs> so what are you doing? And he and he just he lies and says, I've been studying the helmet. I'm just checking out the Bartuk's helmet. Uh, and that's fine. You know, that's and, fine. And, and she's like, oh, OK. Yeah. And she, yeah. She leaves. That. She and then we get our. We get our first mention of angels in this, which I thought was great. The way that demons see angels. Uh, let's see. He says uh, the demon respected her abilities in this matter, even if he felt confident that in a struggle between Galeona and himself, the witch woman would surely lose. After all, she was mortal, not one of the foul angels. Had she been such, Zazek might have been more concerned. Angels were conniving, working behind the scenes, playing tricks instead of confronting their foes directly me thinks that's foreshadowing i think so <laughs> so and we get this great moment at the end of the chapter where he literally zazek is thinking about angels and he out loud mocks the idea of angels like, like fucking you fucking angels. angels come and get me angels i'm not afraid of you come angels. at me bro yeah and then the the light the torch like jumps just like you know how a light it flares yeah it flares up a bit and he like jumps for a it's second like- and becomes the mantis version of himself, like he's out like, of fear. Ah. And, and he like, re- he like retreats back into the shadows and he's like, yeah, he's like stupid fucking light. Stupid fucking. I wish the angels would fucking come. I don't kick your ass. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Ah! I mean, yeah, you bet. Yeah. You, yeah. It wasn't you. Was it pussy? Like, yeah, that's basically what happens. I there. love the fact that I, I, I love how much like he humanized 
Zazax. Like yeah. after our first encounter with him, he's, he's like, oh, he's like some creepy mantis demon. But then in this chapter, I love where where we leave with Zazax, where he's like, he's he is he's just a little paranoid. He's he's and he's a toady. Like he's, he's a, a toady. Total, he's like total. He's like fear I, baby toady. It's fantastic. <laughs> It, he is. He is not. He's not, the, so, he's not the boss. He's a henchman. No. Yeah. You know, the first time you see him, and the first time you see a demon, any demon's gonna be scary. But then when you get to know him uh, a just chapter a later, he's just. He's just. He, yeah. He's a demon, but he's kind of a panty waste of a demon. It's fantastic. Um. So Norik. Uh. We pick up chapter five. Norik is back on the road again. Yes. Um, after his fresh slaughter at the end. Yeah, feeling feeling a little guilty about all the people that he helped kill. He's not feeling great. No. <laughs> he feels he's not. He's like, this really does this suck. Blows. Um, so they're like walking towards the uh the ocean, and he's like, he's he, he's like, it's the is the armor just going to make me walk through the ocean? Am I just going to drown or something? I loved that part. Like he's been, it's been, the armor is so single-minded yeah. that he's worried the armor is just going to go, oh, the easiest way is just to march through the sea. Just just keep walking. And just forget about him. And he's like, I, that would suck. That would Please be terrible. Please remember that. But that doesn't happen. Thankfully no, it him. seems, it seems more and more that the armor needs a living host. Yes, it cannot be it, like he has to be alive it, because otherwise, otherwise it would have let him die a lot earlier. Um, right. it, it's clear that he has to be alive and and like functioning in order for the armor to actually uh, use him. So, yeah, yeah, because so the armor do does not crazy. Like yeah, that. it doesn't do anything crazy like that. He runs into a uh, a fisherman and the He's uh, basically the armor like is like stops and he has to figure out what the armor wants. Right. So he's talking to this fisherman and basically through uh, a, a, a Q&A, uh, he clicks through a dialogue tree. <laughs> I was about to say, it's kind of like you know, when you think about it, he's kind of like on a, in an adventure game. I was on about the to rails. say, yeah. He's got, every time you stop for something, you've got to figure out what it is that the armor wants. So every stop is like a dialogue tree or a puzzle or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he finds out that the uh, what the armor wants is to go to uh, Luke Golane, which happens to be where uh, uh, where what's his name? Malevolent. Malevolent. Yeah. He's amassing his army not far from. Um, so the armor wants to go to Luke Golane. And basically the guy, the fisherman's like, well, there's three ships. One is going back west. Uh, my uh, there's my ships going to Luke Lane, but we're not leaving until next week. And then this other shitty ship is is going to Luke Lane like today. Yeah, and he's like, stay off of that one. Don't that go one on sucks. it. <laughs> That's terrible. And he wasn't lying. It's terrible. It um, really I actually grabbed. A, I thought this was a pretty good description of our of our pretty boat. Uh, this is called the it's called the Hawks Fire. And uh, it says the three masts stood like tall skeletal sentinels, half wrapped in the shroud like sails. The figurehead at bow, once probably a curvaceous mermaid, had been worn down by the elements until it now resembled more an aquatic banshee in mid shriek. As for the hull itself, something had long ago stained the wood nearly to pitch and scars raked the sides, making Norik wonder if it at some point in its colored past, the vessel had either served in war or more likely had been used more than once 
as a freebooter. So he's about to board the Millennium Falcon. Basically. Uh, <laughs> fucking hunk of junk. You know? It is a hunk of junk. His bucket of bolts. Is, yeah, yeah. He's not going to even get out of the system. Um, so basically, he's talking to the, the captain who... Um, this he uh, he's a rather haggard figure and uh this is a great description as well what do you want the skeleton coalesced into an older man with parchment skin and absolutely no flesh and sinew but beneath the thin veil of life this guy's a good writer you know like like if there's one thing that richard neck seems to know how to do it's it's describe it's set a things. scene yeah, yeah set a scene it's like it's like it was like, oh, it's not a skeleton. It's a really old man who might it's as well be <laughs> a real old dirtbag of a man. And he is. He's, he's the captain of the ship. Captain Casco. Captain and, Casco. And he speaks in in sentence fragments. Right. <laughs> and he tells him and, and, and the guy and the guy's like, shit, OK, the armor wants we got to ride this boat. And so and this is I found really interesting because so far we've seen the armor summon things out of nowhere. Um, and in this time he says, you know, what, what would it cost for me to board? And the captain asks for a specific kind of coin. Yeah. He doesn't say gold. He doesn't say, you know, he just, he's it's a like specific, a, it's a very specific currency. Right. And before Nora can even figure out, well, how much is that in real person dollars? I don't know. Uh, the armor just pulls out a handful of those very coins. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, yeah, it's, it gets, it's starting to get real specific yeah. uh, on this shit. Yeah. Uh, so he gets in, uh, he's got a, they give him a room uh, and he, he, it's a, it's a, it's a shithole. It's a shithole. And, and he gets some sleep and once again, dreams of that. He is Bartok. Bartok. Yeah. 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 And, and then the uh, dinner bell rings. Yeah. Thank, thank God. Right. I'm sure this place serves some, some stand up cuisine. <laughs> It's, um, it's it doesn't. Uh, he goes, it he gets not. he gets the food. He's going to take it back to his room. And then uh, Norik sees Faustin standing yes. on, the, on the deck of the ship. And he's so startled, he drops the food. And Casco is like, what mess? You clean it up. No help. Yeah. Like, you're, you're like, you're not getting any more food. <laughs> it does sound like a Star Wars alien, like yeah. translator. No clean. You clean. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like it's just. It's, yeah. It's it's weird. So Captain he, Casco, he, the Jawa. Um, right. Right. And uh, and and so Norik kind of gathers himself and, and basically starts worrying that not only is it that this doesn't end well for him in terms of him living or dying. He's also concerned now. He's like, I don't think I'm, I think I'm losing my soul here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it gets really dark there. So. It gets really dark. And we're back with Kara. Kara, uh, thank goodness. Kara. Thank good goodness. Kara Nightshadow. Gaya Cool. Uh, yeah. A port town. Yeah. She's, she's trying to figure things out. She's, uh, she's looking she, for everything. She's looking for everything. She, and she arrives at an inn called the captain's table. What's the, yes. which is a jaunty little joint and absolutely uh, she meets a cheerful man um just captain hanos jeronin who is the owner and proprietor of this establishment and uh, yeah. he's he's flirting with her a little he's bit he's a flirty old he's man he's a flirty isn't he? old man and Kara's like oh my <laughs> yeah we do get we do get some very dated 
you don't know how beautiful you are kind of description here. Yeah. Uh, where like, cause he, he's, he's not like trying to get in there. He's just, he's just, you know, flirting a little bit and yeah. saying that she's beautiful. Fair is what he says. And, uh, and we do get a, like, she never thought of herself that way. I suppose. Not like the other some, girls. Right. Yeah. At, at wizarding school, some people found me attractive, I suppose. And it, yeah, you do feel like it was a screenplay. It would be a hot, but doesn't know it. Kind yeah. Of it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, but we, we get over that pretty quick. Uh, yeah. thankfully I, I, we didn't, we didn't, we don't dwell on that. No, we don't um, dwell on it too, too much. Um, basically the captain, uh, uh, she, she buys, she buys, uh, some cider. She gets some cider, mm-hmm. a fish, uh, a nice, uh, fish meal. And the captain's like, yeah, I'll, I'll answer whatever questions you got. Just eat up. Um, right. and, 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 he, and he even offers her free food and free room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, because he knows what she is. He knows that she's a necromancer. He knows he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I've, I've been a fan of the, the Rathma people for a long time. You know, they've yeah. always, it's like, they've always been nice to me, basically. <laughs> right. Right. He's he, always, he said, you know, of all the people, <laughs> all, all the people that we, all wizards I've ever met, you people are always the nice ones. So. Yeah. Which I believe, I think, I think if your day to day business involves death, you're probably going to be pretty nice. To yeah, you're going to be pretty nice. Um, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> so she yeah. asks him, you know, some some questions like, hey, have you seen anybody with the uh, crimson plate? And Jeronin's like, um, no, I don't think no. he's, so. Yeah, he's very wishy washy. He is it. very wishy washy. Um, and then Kara, um, Kara notices that she is sleepy. And not oh yeah, and not tired, sleepy, but no. sleepy, sleepy. And now she's like, oh no, yes, something may have happened to my cider. Something. I is... wonder if it was the inappropriately flirty guy who. I wonder if it was the drink. inappropriately flirty old man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she heads out because we actually a don't get a we don't get a full answer on that, but she does. No, we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't know if it was him specifically. She yeah, heads out yet. because fresh air is going to help. And she like she heads out, breathes in the, the salty, fresh air. And it does help. It clears her head for a moment. Yeah. Before she's whacked upside the head by right. somebody. <laughs> right. She sees she sees a, a figure carrying her knife. She sees the wizard and uh, the Sardoon character, both of our dead uh, adventuring party friends. Who are kind of corpsified. They're not like full zombies, but they're still bearing the wounds uh, that yeah. killed them. Yep. Dead, but moving around. Yeah. So we find out that it was it was um it was Faustin had cast a spell on her to to knock her out. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, they they knock her out, they have her dagger, and um she's uh they basically hit her on the head. And it's, you know, that scene in, in Back to the Future Part 2 where... The it, easy the way. The easy way. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what That's happens. That's basically what happens. <laughs> the easy way. What a weird scene in a movie, by the way. You want to do this the hard movie. way or the easy way? <laughs> the easy way. Such so, a great moment. Though. It is. It's so random. <laughs> Well, that's chapter five. That's chapter five, and that's where we're gonna leave it for tonight. So, what are you feeling so far, man? There are so I many threads. So it's like there's so many threads. You know, that's exactly what it is. We are we are setting up so many threads here. It's a little slow uh, to start with, but I 
I am optimistic. I feel yeah, like me I feel too. like we're going somewhere with this. I think I I have faith. You know, I wasn't sure, but talking through it, um, talking through it just now, I have faith that it's probably all going to tie together in 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 some nice way you know effective way it's gonna it's gonna like a little it's it's basically like a it's like making a rope you know all the threads are currently loose like oh we got all these threads and now we're gonna start tying them together right right so it's it's pretty cool so far it's pretty Uh, cool and it's fun that like characters like for example uh uh, faustian and say say dune who i just kind of thought were like throw-ins you know party members to be killed in the beginning yeah to set things up but with their back they're back like everybody that they've introduced so far except for the sand snake has kind of come back and, and, <laughs> and had significance yeah. and maybe and maybe the sand snake will come back i don't know yeah but uh we've Old. had a lot of little seeds planted we've got weird desert dwelling hermit guy uh yeah we've who's got this, that guy I, I can't believe that the capt the captain innkeeper that this is the last we'll see of him. The, yeah. Like that's if if this is it, if that is it, then he spent a lot of time describing this His guy extravagant who belly. His, yeah, yeah. I I wanna I want uh, I think I think we've got a lot of uh, cool yeah uh cool shit going here. So fingers crossed. But yeah, I, I I'm optimistic. I feel good about this. Yeah, I feel good about it too. Frankly, it's just good to uh be Doing a little little sword swinging. Yeah. A little Robert E. Howard for us. Yeah, why not? I mean, the, the dude wrote Conan before. He's he's written Hell yeah. He's written yeah. a Conan book, so you know. Oh um, my god. I can't tell you if I if I were a writer for hire and someone told like, me hey, you want to write some Conan commission you to write Conan, <laughs> I'd lose my shit. I'd be I'd, I'd be like trying real I'd be like, well, that sounds like um, it would be very difficult, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm I think I'm up for I the challenge. I'm it. a great admirer of this franchise. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna excuse me one second, and I think I've put them on mute, and I start screaming and like <laughs> also for some reason farting and puking everywhere. Oh, and uh, that sounds and about I right. realize I haven't muted them, and they're like, we we uh, actually changed our mind. We're gonna give Go the assignment in. to this. Kevin guy. We're, uh, <laughs> we're going in another direction. Yeah, we're going we're going in a non a non vomiting when you're excited direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, that I, that makes sense. Yeah, makes makes sense. Sense. yeah. Good, call. Good, good call. Good call. Good call. Good call. I, call. I, I, I buy it. Um, um, I'll, I'll just continue on my leisure suit Larry fan fiction. <laughs> uh, are you working on one? <laughs> now I am. <laughs> now, that I, now that I've put that now out. Now that you put world. that out in the universe. Please. I mean, I don't know who owns Leisure Suit Larry right now. Um, I, I don't think it's Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Rob <laughs> Lowe. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Um, what? I, oh, my God. I'm an asshole. Uh, I interviewed the fucking guy. Are you talking about the. Uh, 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 Al Lowe. Oh, Al Lowe. OK. Al Lowe. I'm an idiot. Uh, I've, I've actually I've actually spoken to him. You've with spoken my, to him. With, yeah, with my mouth with your mouth uh, and the words we, we we chatted for like an hour and a half he was a super nice guy and i'm an asshole for not remembering him well there you but go i'm i'm I'll, I'll i'll reach out and be like hey al what do you think you know who I owns this fan fiction <laughs> yeah i at the time i was actually considering writing like a history of leisure suit larry book like i was just playing with the idea and uh we got to talking and he was like you want to write a book and i was like yeah and he goes 
Uh, Who do you think's gonna read it about Leisure <laughs> Suit Larry? <laughs> yeah, and when a, and when a cr- when the creator of of the franchise is like, I don't know if anyone's gonna read that. He's doing the yeah, he's doing like the cutoff motion with his <laughs> hand, like Ugh. I don't know, I don't know. Some things are better left in the eighties. Is yeah, yeah, is yeah. basically what he said. <laughs> and more and more harebrained schemes from me. So yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so thanks everybody for listening. We've had, uh, this episode is going to be coming out in March, uh, but mm-hmm. we're just coming off a spectacular February, uh, of, of growth and, and new people coming oh. to the pod. It's, it's been, been so cool to see all it's you guys. Been so cool. Um, and we're also coming off a couple of episodes, uh, with our good friend, Aaron Hess yes, from Oops All Monsters. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, please go listen to those episodes and please go check out Oops All Monsters because they are hilarious. Hilarious. Um, so that'll do it for tonight. Please, if you can, rate us five stars on the platform of your choice, whether that be iTunes, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, those are the rating platforms, I believe. And, you know, just get click. make sure you click that follow and subscribe button. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, share us with your friends, share us with your family, share us with everyone you love and cherish deeply because Everybody. we are the gift that keeps on giving. We, we, we give, we give, we give and take nothing. We, we take, take nothing. nothing. Uh, uh, Pixel it makes the world takes. As no, the, we, that is a very specific reference to a bridge is, in Trenton that has Trenton makes the world takes in big letters on the side of it. And I don't... Is, that's for like five people. You dug deep for that. I, that I is was, a, I'm impressed. That is a deep cut. Trenton makes the world one. takes. Pixel it yeah. makes the world takes. <laughs> we don't. Pixel it does not take. We just passive aggressively make comments under our breath at Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's and as you do, and you should. As you should. And uh, proud tradition. Proud tradition. That'll do it. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.